Ian Begley, ESPN New York. My man, how you doing? Randy, what's up, man? How are you? Doing good, man. Can't complain. And I'm also joined by a good friend of mine, Mr. David Zenon, uh, trainer for uh, NBA and college athletes. D, my man, how you doing? I'm great, bro. I'm great. Doing doing good, man. Uh, Glad to have you both on the show. Ian, I know you're pressed for time. You're a very busy man, even though the Knicks have lost 18 in a row. I mean, can we start from there, Ian? The Knicks have really lost. 18 games in a row. I don't know if that's just skill or something crazy going on. I know they, they're trying to get the first pick and get some free agency, but, um, you know, is this new territory for you for, for someone who covers a team and watching a team who, who just can't get, can get a victory, whether it's uh, you know on the road or even at, at home? I mean, 2014-15, that next season was bad. You know, they won 17 games. I never thought that I would cover a team that was 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 that bad as far as a win-loss record. This team is is rapidly approaching that number. And, I mean, 18 losses in a row, it's just got to be so demoralizing for these guys. And I know it's a young group, um, and I know they were prepared to come into this season and take their lumps. But I don't think anybody uh, from the top of the organization down expected it to be this bad. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult for... Um, coaching staff and players to kind of weather the storm to try to focus on the day-to-day improvement rather than getting swallowed up by that that massive uh, franchise long 18-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how these guys handle it going forward. All right, Dave. Yeah, I, I just have a question in regards to you know the guys that they brought in. Of course, you could see. You know, Dennis Smith, you know, doing what he can and DeAndre providing energy and leadership qualities. You know, what do you see in terms of, you know, possibly any of these guys staying? Obviously, DSJ is going to stay. But do you would you be inclined for the Knicks to even think about possibly bringing DeAndre back? You know, I think the thing there is the thing that we don't know and everybody kind of whispers about is his relationship with Kevin Durant and. I don't know if that will play a factor into Kevin's thinking and free agency, but I think if the Knicks have an idea that it does, they're obviously going to keep DeAndre with the hopes of signing Kevin Durant, or if they sign Kevin Durant, they would keep DeAndre. Uh, But I think that if you're taking Kevin Durant out of the equation, the idea would be to continue to go young. Let's say they don't land the free agents they want this summer, then I wouldn't see a role for DeAndre Jordan. So I think it depends mm-hmm. on what happens in free agency mm-hmm. this summer. Well, you know, for me, and I, I, you know, trying to backtrack to that whole trade, man, I think that was a big frenzy. Everything happened all in like a half hour time span, one minute. Um, they they said it, you know, they'll, they'll meet with KP and then boom, he's traded like a half hour later to the Mavericks and then you get him, you, you, you get rid of Hardaway's contract, Corny Lee, Trey Burke, you bring back, like David said, uh, DeAndre, you get Dennis Smith Jr., a guy that a lot of fans wanted to draft in the first place and not Frank Nilakina. They also get Wesley Matthews, but they buy him out. He goes to Indiana. They also buy out Ennis Cantor. He goes to Portland. But with that trade in, um, you know, kind of tell me, I know the pros with it, you know, they, they, they want to be in line to have, you know, a lot of money to get two big time free agents. Um, are, are there other pros with that trade and what are the cons 
cons of that trade and why that trade needed to be done before the deadline as opposed to like this summer? If you're looking for other pros, I think you look at those draft picks. I mean, that dra- the draft pick that you get, the two that you get, there's a chance that they could come to you at a time when high school players are able to enter the draft, and that makes those drafts deeper. And right. you would think it makes those picks more valuable than the pick in- today. And so that's, I think, a positive. The other one is Dennis Smith Jr. You know, we don't know what he's going to be. He's still an unfinished product. But the idea that you have a guy in-house and you can kind of learn more about him, um, you know, find out so much more about him than you could if he was a free agent to really be able so you can make your decision whether you keep him or you move on from him in a couple of years. You make an informed decision. So I think that's that's a pro. We look at the cons. I mean, listen, if you don't land a free agent this summer, then I just wonder how management sells the idea to their fans that they traded their the face of their franchise you know one of the i don't i don't know how you want to put it but i think it's fair to say that he gave Knicks fans uh a, a lot of reason to hope maybe the most the player that's done that the most since a young patrick ewing you traded him away for cap space and if you don't get somebody this summer i just wonder how you sell that to your fans how you sell the trade to your mm-hmm. fans and another con would be if Kristaps Porzingis stays in Dallas, comes back at an elite level, teams up with Luka Doncic and other players the Mavericks may acquire, and Dallas turns into a uh, mm. a strong contender in the West. I think that's that's the risk there. Um, so you know it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And then with regards to why it needed to happen before the trade deadline, you know Steve Mills has said it. And I think it makes sense. I think the Knicks felt like they would lose some leverage after the trade deadline um, because the Chris Haps-Porzingis, the ball is essentially in his court with regards to what he would agree to do as a restricted free agent. Um, so the the idea was to get something done before the deadline. The one thing that I wonder is, could the Knicks have gotten a better offer from than the offer they got from the Dallas Mavericks if they negotiated a little bit, played that offer, off of some other teams who may have wanted to make an offer for mm-hmm. Porzingis leading up to the trade deadline. That's something we'll never know. Right. Dave? Yeah, for sure. I'm Just to kind of back, you know, piggyback off of that, I just think the cons is also we need to have two major or two max contracts that come in here. I, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, to think about the fact that we can only just get one and then kind of you know, suffice with having a bunch of other people that can try to, you know, quote unquote, fill in roles. Uh, I just don't think that's, you know, good enough considering what we gave up in a cornerstone piece in, in KP. Now, going to the draft, you know, I know obviously everybody wants to get, you know, Zion, uh, but as a Knicks or a guy that covers the team, you know, if we're not able to get the number one pick, your idea in terms of, you know, having a top five pick, is there anybody else that you would look at? in the draft or, you know, in terms of free agents that we might not get two max picks. I mean, two max contracts, you know, is there anybody that you've been looking at or paying attention to around the league that you think would be good to come here? Well, I think as far as that draft pick goes, even if no matter where it ends up, I think that that draft pick, if it's top three, you know, yes, we can talk about college guys, but I think we have to talk about it in terms of the idea that it could be a piece for a trade mm-hmm. for Anthony Davis. I think that's something that 
will be on the table if New Orleans hasn't dealt Anthony Davis to another team. You know, by the time the lottery rolls around, which I don't think they would, you know, I think the Knicks will be in play there if they land one of the top three picks, particularly if they land the number one pick. I think that that creates an attractive trade package that the Knicks would be able to offer the New Orleans Pelicans. As far as players go, I mean, I think everybody is looking at John Morant as, as a kid who is going to be or could has the chance to be a fantastic player uh, at this level. So I think if the Knicks didn't, weren't in position to land Zion, you know, John Morant's a pretty good consolation prize. But I just wonder how everything's going to play out this summer because there's so many moving pieces, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, what the Celtics do, what the Pelicans do, what the Lakers do. And, and the Knicks are really so much of the Knicks fate is intertwined into all of that, including the, where they land in the draft. So it's just going to be such a fascinating summer from a Knicks standpoint. Yeah, Ian, I think for me, you know, if you get the first pick, you take Zion, you keep him. If you get number two or number three, you can kind of dangle that to maybe get an Ann Davis. But, that, that you know, that'll also mean that pick, I'm assuming, uh, you know, Smith Jr., I'm assuming Kevin Knox. So, it, it, you know, that's an, another trade where you, you're probably going to trade three, four, five guys for one guy, and then you're left with I don't know who. So if you get the, the free agents of like a Durant or Kyrie, and I, and I, I want to stop there because, you know, many, many Knicks fans, including me, would love to have KD and Kyrie come to New York along with Zion. But, Ian, let me ask you this. If – from the KD, the Kyrie's, the 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 Clay Thompson, the Kimber Walkers, the Kawhi Leonard's, um, is there a com- uh, you know Jimmy Butler? Is there a combo out there? Like if combo A is Kyrie and and, Ky- uh, and and Durant, what is a plan B that 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 Knicks fan can say? You know what? We missed out on Durant. We missed out on Kyrie, but we're good with this. Or we got KD, but we got Kimba instead of Ky- uh, uh, Kyrie. And what combo you think is number is number one and like a, a, a for, for sure a number two combo to get? Uh, well, as far as combos, I'm not sure. I do know people in the organization are fond of Kemba Walker. Um, I don't know if Kemba, like I think if all goes according to plan, I would assume that Charlotte offers Kemba uh, a max deal and Kemba stays in Charlotte. But I, I do know some people at the Knicks like Campbell Walker a lot, and I, I'm sure that they wouldn't be uh, opposed to landing him this summer. So if we were to talk about, you know, plan A is Kyrie and, and um, Kevin Durant, I'm sure Kemba is in the plans somewhere for some people in the Knicks organization. Uh, but I really think that it gets tricky for the Knicks because if you feel, if you put too much stock into this summer, you don't get your top targets in Durant and in Kyrie Irving. Maybe the smartest play is just to wait, wait until summer 2020, and use the cap, use your cap space this summer, like we've seen the Brooklyn Nets do. You use it to take on a bad contract from another team, but force that team to attach either a good young player or a first round pick in that transaction, and that's a way to acquire another asset. And then you still have cap space left over for 2020. So I think. The, the important thing for the Knicks is, you know, don't panic. Don't sign the wrong guy if you don't get a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving or your top target because we saw how that can set a franchise back when, you know, 20, 2010, they didn't get LeBron or Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh. They signed Amari Stoudemire, and, and Amari, you know, had a great initial run as a Nick, but things didn't work out the way that both he and the Knicks had hoped they would throughout the life of his contract. So the important thing, I think, is to don't, 
give uh, a max contract to the wrong guy if you don't get Kevin or Kyrie. Right. Dave? So here's my thing. If we can't get the, you know, as I, we were just talking about, like the max guys, and we don't want to freak out if we don't get, you know, KD and Kyrie and whatnot, the guys that are filling in those roles for the rest of the team, and we're trying to develop, obviously, the young guys like the Kevin Knoxes and the, the Mitchell uh, Robinsons of the world. You know, what would be the best, I guess, the best mindset for the organization moving forward to, you know, spend their money, like to go the Brooklyn Nets route, like to kind of just focus on development? Or do we just need like, you know, two year deal kind of things and then, you know, just get rid of those kind of guys eventually? I think it's probably a mix, like. If you have a chance to get a good young player, like you look at what the Nets did with D'Angelo Russell, um, you know you do that. But if that young player who's on his either on his first, still on his first contract, if that player is not available, I think you you look to the veteran route, one year deals um, for this summer, and then you keep your cap space open uh, for 2020, and then you take another swing at it in 2020. Um, I think that the worst thing you could do, again, is to tie yourself up to a five-year deal for the wrong guy, for a guy who's not going to get you to uh, a conference final and NBA finals. Uh, the worst thing you could do is tie yourself up into two guys who get you to the fourth seed in the East and a second-round exit for three years, and then you're kind of stuck. So I think that's that should be the mindset. I, 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 I would think that um, knowing the guys in the Nick front office, I would assume that that something like that is the mindset. If you strike out on your your top guys, you don't panic, and and, and you don't give money to the wrong guy. You take mm-hmm. a patient approach. So Ian, um, again, we you know we talk about the eighteen uh, L's in a row. We talk about what they're going to do with free agency and the the uh, the KP trade. But uh, you know, I know they won like 10, 11 games. But is there anything? Good that you've been that you've been able to see like the development of Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, uh, Alonzo Tria has had a, a, a pretty decent season um, from those young guys. And any anything positive you want to talk about of what you've been able to see so far this year? I got to give my guy Dave credit because he was he was telling me back in June before the draft that whoever drafted Mitchell Robinson was going to look really smart, mm-hmm. and then it's look really smart right now because of the way. Mitchell Robinson has played really throughout the course of the season, but particularly of late, uh, he's played extremely well uh, at, at a level that it, you know was really ahead of where you would think he would be. A, a player who did not play college basketball last year, hadn't played competitive basketball last year, and this and he's doing what he's doing recently at the NBA level. Uh, it's just impressive to see, and it and it you know it speaks to the idea that the Knicks really may have gotten a steal. With Mitch Robinson, you know, there's a long there's a long way to go before we start to declare anything. He's still, you know, in his first season in the league. He's very young, but based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks, it really seems like the Knicks have a good player on their hands. And Dave was right on the money when he was talking before the draft about how good this kid could be. So I so I look smart now for having Dave on the show, right? Hundred percent. All right, Dave. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I love Mitch's game. I mean, I saw him prior to the draft, and you know, knowing his trainer Marcel Scott, who's done a great job with him, uh, who also trains Anthony Davis. Um, you know, I I think that the sky's the limit for the kid. I could see him. You know, I know this sounds like a stretch, but based off of 
you know, the things that I see physically as a trainer myself, like I could see him legit being an all-star in two years and I'm not exaggerating it. It's just, um, the Knicks need to continue doing a great job developing him and he needs to soak in as much knowledge from DeAndre while DeAndre's here. Um, and that's my only thing that I'm a little bit worried about is next year when, you know, let's say DeAndre is gone. We don't really have another mind on the team. That's a big man. That's necessarily going to be able to help him out. So I'm thinking, you know, off the top of my head, maybe Ian, if you've been scouring the league, like guys that could possibly come here, you know, who would be a good fit for the Knicks as a big man besides Mitchell, who, who might be the man in a couple of years to, you know, anchor the defense. But, you know, in your mind, like what would be a good fit for us to have come in? I wonder if a guy who was here a couple of years ago, a guy like Robin Lopez could be helpful for mm-hmm. Mitchell because I know he knows the game very well. Um, and I think that he could probably teach the game really well. Obviously, you know, DeAndre is a perfect fit um, in that role for, for many reasons. I think it's fair to say that DeAndre is not playing at, at the, the level that he was a couple of years ago on the defensive end, but that's not to say that he can't teach the game to Mitchell Robinson. Um, so, I mean, Robin Lopez is a name that comes to mind. I haven't taken a hard look at, like, the middle-tier free agents uh, for centers, um, so I don't know any other names off the top of my head who could come in and help Mitch. Um, but I think that, you know, the coaching staff has, has done a nice job and getting him ready uh, both for games, a night-in and night-out basis, but also helping him adjust to NBA life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe even if they lost DeAndre, maybe the coaching staff could continue in that role. Uh, but I think you bring up a great point, Dave, with regard to what the Knicks need to keep in mind, you know, and when they are looking to acquire players this summer, you do want veterans, guys who can mentor these young guys and help them, um, get acclimated to life in the NBA, deal with the ups and downs of life in the NBA. And, and particularly for a young guy like Mitchell Robinson, who is, so inexperienced, I think that's a vital piece for this team going forward. You know, it's funny, you know, when you guys mentioned Robin Lopez, the first thing I think about is when the Knicks had money, the last time they had money, we gave our money to Robin Lopez and, and, and uh, Aaron Flalo. <laughs> you know what's funny, though? Like, if you if you think about that contract that Phil oh, gave out and then the, the Joakim Noah contract, mm. like that Robin Lopez contract was probably one of Phil's best free agent signings because mm-hmm. it, it had value um, you know robin was was good in his year here and it wasn't it wasn't mm-hmm. totally out of scale the deal that he ended up signing so you know looking at all the deals that the film that ended up handing out i think that robin lopez contract was pretty good what, what yeah i wholeheartedly yeah. agree with that one i love robin robin here but it is what it is <laughs> it is what it is um <laughs> What real quick? What what credit do you, uh, do you give Dave, Dave Fisdale? Because you know he he comes in and he's thinking he's gonna get KP next year and a whole rebuild. And you know he he comes from Miami and Memphis, a, a winning culture over there, and just knowing that this season is probably one of the worst in Knicks history and for him. But the credit, uh, you know, what credit? You know, do you give him to kind of just sticking it out and trying to develop these young guys and knowing that. They're not going to win every game. They they may not win a game for the you know rest of the season. But what kind of credit you give him just to kind of stick it out there and just kind of you know just to get these guys on board? It's hard. Like I think it's hard to evaluate coaches in general. Like for the media to evaluate coaches in general because 
there's so much that goes into coaching, especially at this level, that none of us, the, the reporters are not privy to in a lot of cases. But I think with Dave, in the case of David Fisdale in particular, it's hard to evaluate him as a head coach this season because of what his roster is and what his, his lineups are every night. They're just such a talent deficit that the Knicks face night in and night out that, you know, people ask, ask you, you know, is David Fisdale a good coach? I don't think we could really know based on this season because of what he's working with night in and night out. I think if you look at what what's happened with the players this season, you know, he's. I think the young guys are, have continued to buy in, which is what you'd expect uh, out of young guys. I think the Ennis Cantor situation, you could probably, if you want to place blame, you could place blame on both sides for how things played out so publicly. I think you know, one of the things that David Fisdale did that I don't think uh, worked in his favor was he said that he was planning to start Ennis Cantor uh, before one of the games. And that was one of the games, one of the first games that Cantor was a DNP um, so that the optics weren't great there. But then you could say that Cantor, you know, maybe didn't handle it as professionally as he could have uh, with regards to his reduced role. He was clearly upset about it. So I think blame could go both sides there. But I think, you know, by and large, the way he's handled the group has been has been good, but you don't know if, if he is a great tactician because we don't know. He hasn't been really put in position to where he's had e- he's on equal footing with the opposite side with regards to talent and coaching in that instance can make a difference. Dave? Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with Ian. Like, seeing Fizz, like, coming from Miami with a, you know, winning culture and then even the things he was able to do with Memphis, getting them to the playoffs. But then, like, I feel like there's, like, this common, like, you know, disconnect, you know, sometimes that he may have with his his players, even coming back to, you know, the thing he said about KP and his knee not being close to ready. And then, you know, Chris posts the picture of him running. You know, it's just like it from from your standpoint, because, you know, you're, you're around them a lot, Ian, and you see them in practice, like, you know, does it seem like Fizz goes out of his way to, you know, has have that connection with his players in terms of like on a personal level? Or is it just like, you know, a lot of X's and O's and that's how he's able to relate to them? So the players who played with him and played for him in Memphis and, and when he was an assistant even back in the Atlanta days, like throughout his, his coaching career, players have said that he does a great job connecting and being more than, you know, a boss to these to these players, and I think some of the Knicks have said that that he's done a nice job, really connecting with them off the court, and really they feel like he cares, um, and he's more than just uh, a guy who's doling out playing time for them. But yeah, there are instances where it seems like the connection wasn't made for whatever reason. Uh, obviously, you point to Ennis Cantor, and and that's one. And you know, Chris Porzingis, David Fizdale never really had a chance to coach Chris Porzingis, so we don't know like what the relationship could have been. We do know that there was that hiccup that you referenced where David had said that he, Chris Stapps wasn't making, you know, a huge amount of progress in his rehab. Clearly that didn't sit well with Porzingis. So, you know, there's not many instances or not a lot of data to really judge David Fisdale on. Mm-hmm. I think if we have this conversation next year, if the Knicks are to sign, you know, Kevin Durant this summer and Kyrie Irving this summer, then it's winning time, and then then it really matters for David Fisdale. And I think that's at that point we can really have a deeper conversation with regards to how is David Fisdale doing as a coach? Is he succeeding? Is he is he falling short of expectations? 
if when the Knicks get players in here, um, it'll be a, a different um, it'll be a different way to look at the job that David Fisdale's doing. Well, Ian, I know I know you got to run, but uh, just you know, a few more things, uh, and I'll let David go too if he has one more. Um, I, I, you know, the Knicks the Knicks have ten wins, but at least they have two people going to the All Star weekend. Dennis Smith is in this uh, slam dunk contest, and Kevin Knox is in that, is in that Rising Stars game. Uh, at least we have some representation, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, you got to – there's small victories this year. That's what counts, right? Exactly. Dave? Yeah, I don't have anything else, man. I'm, I mean, I'm happy to talk to my man Ian and you, and, you know, it's hopefully uh, – you know, we can get something out of All-Star Weekend, I think <laughs> – I think Dennis Smith can win the dunk contest. That's what I think. I'm, you know, I'm true. I'm not being biased, but you know, the kids, kids are freak athletes. So I'll rock with my man with that. And listen, man, if if I see Ian Beckley on the boardroom with uh, Kevin Durant, then then that's when I know KD's coming to New York. <laughs> that's when I know. <laughs> hey, you know what, Ian? Uh, stay woke, like KP said. You know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know what's funny? Real quick, I don't know what you know. I think one day later on, we're gonna find out what you know what truly happened with KP and the Knicks and the the beginning of the the, the disconnect and him saying, you know, one day you, you guys will know the true story. Stay woke. I mean, as a reporter covering the Knicks, you know, you you almost have to feel like this thing this thing goes deeper, right? Oh yeah. I mean, listen, he doesn't make the decision that he made without not like without not feeling confident in the direction of the Knicks and not feeling confident based on what he'd seen um, during his time in New York. So I think, you know, he has a story to tell and he's got his side of things with regard to why he decided he didn't want to be a part of this thing. And I think maybe we'll, we'll hear that the side of the story um, at some point, but I think, you know, it's, it's obvious that he felt like, you know, you have a relatively small window as an athlete to have success in your career. And I think he was concerned that mm. New York wouldn't put him in position to have the kind of success he wanted team wise, uh, individually. And he made the decision he made and listen, he, you know, he, he hadn't been around a lot of success with the Knicks. So on one hand, you could see why True. he would be concerned with his future with the club. Uh, the other hand is, you know, the Knicks, obviously, it's a different regime now with Scott Perry and David Fisdale. And maybe things would have been would have worked out differently for Chris Porzingis. That's one of the, the fun things about sports is we'll, we'll get to find out, you know, several years from now if, if KP was right, if the Knicks were right. Maybe they both are right. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how, how things play out from here in the aftermath of that trade. Well, I hope. You know, everything turns out well for him with Dallas. I think it'll be a win-win for the Mavericks in New York if KP comes back healthy, becomes, you know, a perennial all-star, superstar. And then on the, on the flip side, we get Durant and Kyrie and we get Zion. And uh, I think I think it's a win-win if that were to happen. Yeah, for sure. I think so, too. So, Ian, last one. Um, if the Knicks get the first pick... Um, I think all signs point to Zion, but we should keep Zion, right? Don't, don't, uh, are you one of those people that say, yeah, but if you want to get in Davis, you might have to trade Zion. I mean, I, I think of it as if you have, if you have Kevin Durant and you have another Max guy, I don't know, you're in, you're in win now mode. And if you have the chance 
to acquire Anthony Davis by trading some of your young guys and your future first round picks and Zion, you get Anthony Davis. I think it makes sense only because you are putting together a team that's built to win immediately. And Anthony Davis, along with a Kevin Durant and another Mac guy, that team would be ready to win immediately. So I think you have to at least strongly consider um, putting those guys on the table in an offer for Anthony Davis. All right, Dave, last one. No, nah, just piggybacking off of that. Yeah, for sure. I I don't mind visiting New Orleans. I love Z. I, I love Z a lot, man. But if the opportunity's there, trust me, I could have a I, I can visit <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> oh man. Um Ian Begley, ESPN New York. Great work you uh, you do year in, year out covering the Knicks. Uh you're on Twitter at Ian Begley. Always a pleasure having you on the show. David Zenon, great work as always. I think it's what I your, your Twitter's what? David Zenon, right? One. David Zenon one. David Zenon one. one. Uh Ian Begley on, on, on Twitter. Uh I definitely appreciate appreciate you guys coming on, man. All right, thank fellas. you, man. Thanks right, for right. having me. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, fellas, take it easy.